Welcome to this week's Manor House message. We are grateful you are listening with us today. It is our prayer that you will receive a fresh word from God and find encouragement for every season of your journey. Let's listen to this message from Pastor Mark. Hey, good morning, everyone. How many feel a little bit like that army man on that video? Come on, wish we could walk on some water. Hey, listen, we are connected with uh, all of our family all over just the region with downtown and Eugene and Mill Plain and 217, people all over the world. Come on, put your hands together for everybody on every campus. So excited about what God is doing in our church. Hey, we just finished a fabulous series called Above All Else. How many people felt like they got just a little bit closer to Jesus during that series? Come on, it just was a great time. I just loved, again, all that God is doing in our church and just helping us to, again, understand just this this important thing that we're a presence-driven people. We need his presence in our life. And I just wanna just take this opportunity to just uh, thank all of our worship teams on all of our campuses. Don't they do such a great job? Come on, put your hands together for all of our worship community, our AV, people in the sound booth that make things happen. Come on. Hey, one other thing too. Um, at the end of this month, um, we're gonna be doing what we call our, our Vision Sunday. It's October 27th. And I'd like for you to mark your calendar. This is going to be a special time where we come together as a family. And we're going to talk about something a little bit different. We want to take a different angle. And we want to talk about the potential of God for you and what's in you. That God has a vision for your life. Not just for us, but for you. And and we're going to do something. We're going to look at some cool stories of what God is doing in the lives of people that are part of our whole faith community and part of our church. And um, what's cool about these stories is that this isn't just what God did in their life. It's what we together as a family, what we are and how we pour into each other and how we come together and how we pastor people and what the result of that actually is. I think it's going to be exciting. So do me a favor. uh, Don't be out of town. Be there for that October 27th. It's going to be a great, great morning. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Hey, well, this morning, um, I'd like to ask you to join with me to take a walk. How many people here actually like taking walks? Can you just wave at me? Come on, all campuses, just wave. Man, there's a lot of hands, man. You are like a, a healthy group. Come on. I love taking walks and hikes. You know, my wife and I, we love just leaving the house, putting the phone down, walking down into Happy Valley Park where we live and just just seeing the leaves and the fresh air and having conversations and just kind of escaping from all of the noise of life. And uh, I think that that's some of the reasons why you like taking walks. And when you really think about it, you know, life is a walk. Life's a journey. And it's something that we walk out every single day of our lives. And maybe we don't think about that often enough. You know, when you look at your your anatomy and the way that you were made, God created us to understand this idea of being on a walk, being on a journey. And you just look at the fact that he gave you two legs, he gave you two feet with some toes on the end, and he designed this in the natural to actually walk forward that we're actually created to walk towards something, and we're also, with every step, we're leaving something behind. And it's more than just a natural walk, it's a spiritual walk. And oftentimes when we start our day, we think we have an idea of what we're walking toward, 
But reality is we have no idea our future is somewhat obscure. And when you look at the Bible, you find this one thing is that the Bible really is a story about people that took walks. I mean, the very first story that you hear about a walk would actually be God in Genesis 3, where it says that he walked in the cool of the night with Adam and Eve, that even God himself demonstrates in the very first part of Genesis. You see, in Genesis 22, you see this idea of Abraham. He's taken a faith walk, and he has to take his son that he had waited for for almost a century, and he has to take him now to Moriah to sacrifice him. That was a walk. Some of us have been on those kinds of walks. I think about Moses in Exodus 14, and here's a walk where he would take people that were in bondage for 400 years, and he would take them on just a a bondage-breaking walk, and he would take them through the Red Sea, and they would get into the promise, excuse me, into the wilderness, and here is the, the story of the children of Israel. For 40 years, they went on a wandering walk. Some of us today are on wandering walks, trying to figure out about life and what it's all about. I think about Joshua and Joshua 6, and we see that Joshua took some people and they had a victory walk, and they walked for seven days around the walls of Jericho that would fall flat, and then they would walk for the next 30 years conquering 31 cities. That was a walk. Some of us are trying to walk through to have breakthrough in our life, to have victory walk. What about the the guys on the road to Emmaus? They're having a discovery walk, trying to figure out, is Jesus really close to me or not? Paul, Acts 9, we find out that Paul's on this revelation walk. As he's just walking into Damascus, he would have a personal encounter with Christ himself, would change his life forever. But you know, probably the walk that I like the most in the Bible is Peter walking on water. Really, it demonstrates to us really what life's all about. Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33, we see this story that I want to read and we want to look at today. That when you really begin to unpack the principles in this one encounter with Christ... He's trying to help you and I understand, how do we get out upon the water every day? How do we actually recognize that when we woke up today, that we stepped into a place of uncertainty? That that we're really stepping, we we actually think that everything's going to be okay and let's hope that it does. But we're just, we're one step away from a storm. We're one step away from a trial, from a challenge. And what we see in this story is that Peter gets this beautiful lesson from Jesus himself about how we walk daily with him. And that's the title of this whole series over the next three weeks. We're going to be talking about upon the waters. God wants to get you out of your boat. We love our boat. We're going to be talking about how to get out of our boat today, but we love our boat. And so what I want you to do is, if you wouldn't mind, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. Verses 20 through to 33. And if you've got, again, our Manor House app, you can open it up. All the slides are here. Can, let me read this to you. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. We're going to talk about how to get out of it. But he wanted them to get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side 
while he dismissed the crowd. And if you read the previous verses, we find that they just had this huge feeding frenzy where he fed 5,000 people miraculously. That's just come to an end, and now he's taking them to another journey, another lesson. And it says, after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. They would say, some commentaries say, three to four miles out at sea at that time. It was buffeted by the waters because the wind was against it about life and storms and things that are coming against you and your boat, things that are coming against you. And it says that they went out during the fourth watch, about three in the morning, three to six in the morning. On the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately, I like that he speaks quickly, come on, immediately he said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. It's a word for someone here this morning in the midst of your storm. Here's where I'm going to focus these two verses today, but it says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. We'll be talking about that next week. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, lesson over. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. What a story. How many would have liked to have been in the boat that day? I mean, just to watch that. Doesn't it sound a lot like life? I mean, you kind of got Jesus, and there's victories and defeats, and there's storms, and there's faith, and then there's doubts, and there's trials, and there's errors. And we kind of live life a lot like what this day was for Peter. And as I think about this story, I find that Jesus is trying to teach them a lesson. He's trying to teach Peter a lesson. And as this whole thing unpacks, what you see is that Jesus actually knew when he put them in the boat that a storm would come. This isn't necessarily a a story about how Jesus removes storms, but how he's with us in our storms. He knew that a storm, whether he created it or allowed it, he knew it was there. He put them in the boat to teach them a life journey, a life lesson that they would never forget for the rest of their life. I love what David Bruner says. He says this, human storms are the most frequent meeting place of God. Come on, how many facing a little storm today? Come on. How many here on all campuses, you're just feeling some white caps coming your way and you're feeling wind and pressure? I mean, we're living in a time. We're living in a world today where there's pressures and anxiety and fear and doubt and uncertainties and political wars. And I mean, you just can't take one step to feel something like it's against you. And what we learn from Peter 
and from Jesus in this, that there's really three simple things that we can do, and I want to talk about those today. And I want to actually form them in the way of some questions. I don't want to make some, some statements. I want to ask you three questions today. So all I'm going to do is ask you three questions. And I think they're really important for you to write down and ask yourself these questions throughout the week. In fact, we should be asking ourselves these questions every single day of our life. Hey, here's the first question I think we should be asking ourselves. Are you willing to obey and follow Jesus on this journey? We're talking about your journey. We're all on a journey. We all have a lot of life behind us that we can look back and all the lessons that we've learned and it seems real clear, but the reality is that we still have a lot of life in front of us. And even though we think we see it, we really don't. Life seems to always turn out a lot different than the way that you planned. And one of the things that I've learned in my life along the way is even though I might not see it, he does. And if I can just do my part to obey him in my journey, I think that I'm going to always have a better outcome in the days ahead. And so what you see here is that Peter asked this question, Matthew 14, 28. He says, Lord, if it's you, he's asking the question. He's in this engagement with the Lord. Peter replied, tell me to come to you out on the water. He's basically saying, Lord, if this is you, I'm just going to obey. But let me know if this is you. Let me know if this is the next step I should take in my journey. And as I think about this, there's a couple of things that Peter didn't ask. I mean, have you ever thought about things when you read questions like, why didn't he ask this question? I would have asked this. I don't know about you, but I might have asked the question, Jesus, why do you even bring this storm into my life? Come on, anybody ever asked the why question before? Oftentimes, something comes our way and we're going, why God? He doesn't want you to know why. Otherwise, he'd tell you why. Peter knew at least this part of the journey not to ask the question because they had some opinions about the feeding of the 5,000 just a few verses before. It's kind of like, send them away. Let's just, just get rid of them. We don't have enough food. No, Jesus goes, hey, listen, wrong idea. Bring them to me. Um, get the little kids' happy meal. We're going to go ahead and multiply this. Got it taken care of. They've been in the boat before where they were crying about a storm. Why is there a storm? And Jesus calms the storm. I mean, so Peter knows not to ask the why question, but maybe to ask the question, Lord, what can I learn through this experience? Here's another question he didn't ask. Jesus, can, can you just calm the waters just a little bit? Make it a little bit easier for me so when I step out, like I don't get my, my robe wet. It's like, hey, I don't do white caps, Jesus. Right? Don't we often pray that way? The American dream is that Christianity and Jesus, it's all about some kind of crisis-free, pain-free, trial-free life. If I can just get there, I found happiness. He doesn't ask that question. But it seems we ask that question all the time. Come on, Lord, just make it easier. Take this pain away versus asking the question, God, why do you even have this? And is there something I need to learn through it? And if I haven't learned it, would you please keep it around till I learn it? Those are different kinds of God prayers that maybe we should be praying. 
You know what's so funny to me? You, you know what the most popular chair in America is? It's called the Lazy Boy. I mean, think about that. Do you know why it's the, I mean, it's not called the faithy boy or the risky boy. It's called the lazy boy. Why is because they knew where we were at. And if we could just name a chair after the life we want to live, it'll be a bestseller. And it definitely is. Some nachos, some football some bonbons, whatever you do, Netflix binge. If we can just kind of just veg out. Peter's not asking this question because he knows it's a wrong question too. He doesn't even ask this question. Jesus stopped the storm. He knew whether he walked or he sunk, that Jesus was the Lord over the storms. He had learned before that when it came time, the Lord would stop the storm. And it's his storm to stop, not ours to stop. But, but what he says is this. He says, Lord, if this is you, tell me to come to you on the water. And really what this story is about, this really isn't a risk-taking story. This is a story about obedience. See, he's, he's not worried about the storm, even though it's impacting and affecting him. What he is trying to do, what we're learning from this story, is Jesus is trying to communicate through his word to you and I that what's most important is that we get our eyes on him, we listen to what he's saying, we follow the leading word, and he's just saying, Lord, if this is you, let me know, and I'm going to take a step. It was obedience. See, Peter's not this, this thrill-seeking, bungee-jumping, tornado-chasing, hang-gliding, adrenaline-junkie, hoping that something will happen that he can brag the rest of his life about walking on water. He never even brought the story up again in Scripture. It's because that wasn't the point. It wasn't even his intent, although he had some wrong intent in his life. Here was his intent. I'm in a storm, and I've learned long enough in the journey that the only way I'm going to make this out is if I listen to what he says, even though I can't see it, even though I don't understand it, even though I don't know the whys, the hows, it's not about the why, it's not about the how, it's not about the when, it's not about the where. He's saying it's about who you're with in the midst of it that really matters. That's what he's saying. And it's one of, listen, as we take walks, as you do life, as you're on the journey, one of the greatest lessons that we could ever learn and one of the most neglected is this idea about obedience. The word is there to guide us, not to control us, not to harm us, not to hurt us. It's to help us. And so here is the living word speaking forth, the simple command, and he's just all there saying, Lord, just speak to me your word and I will obey. Here's what this word obedience actually means. It means full compliance with an order or a law. Full compliance. It doesn't mean that we get to write it or interpret it. It simply means we respond to whatever is spoken. And when I look at this particular definition, I think, God, help us in our world where we seem to get to write our own ticket. No one tells me what to do. I write my own ticket. The word of God's so contrary, isn't it? 
Hey, here's a powerful quote I read. It was by a guy named Tom Perry said this. Obedience is the choice we make to forego our finite knowledge in exchange for God's unlimited wisdom and power. I heard a profound story recently. It actually took place quite a few years ago. So a lady who's sitting in an airport with her child next to her, she's reading her Bible, getting ready to board the plane. She comes across a verse, be still and know I'm God. The Lord speaks to her and says this, don't get on that plane. She's going, well, that's kind of crazy. I got to get home. My husband's waiting for me. Lord speaks again, do not get on that plane. Be still, stop. I'm speaking to you. She calls her husband. Her husband's absolutely livid. She wouldn't get on the plane, but the plane would take off. It was United Airlines Flight 175 on September 11th, 2001, that went into the second tower, the Twin Towers. And although we hear all the other stories about all the other people and what happened, the tragedy that was, there's this little small story about a lady sitting in an airport that heard something. She didn't understand, didn't make sense, needed to get home. Why would I stay? God said, listen, I see more than you see. I know more than you know. Sit, be still, and know that I'm God. You know what that's called? It's called obedience. How about this one? Joyce Meyer says this, obedience to God is the only pathway to the life you were created to live. D.L. Moody says it this way, there will be no peace in any soul until it is willing to obey the word of God. It's why we feel tension and anxiety and stress. Those are indicators that maybe we're not aligned to his word. And so the first thing that we see in this story is this whole idea about obedience. And what, what, what we're learning from Peter is this. We need to get our eyes on our Savior, not on the storms. We, we need to make sure that no matter what we're facing, that if we look at him, we can walk on our storms. As Peter took his eyes off like a lot of us do, we begin to sink. Why? Because our eyes aren't him. We begin to focus on the storms. First question we should be asking ourselves, Lord, Am I really willing to obey you today? Every step that I take as I'm on this walk upon the water, Lord, would you help me to devour, to understand your word? Because I know if I do, despite what I see, I'm going to probably get just a little bit less wet. Can I hear an amen? amen. Hey, here's the second question I want you to write down. Are you willing to take a step towards intimacy with Jesus? See, it's not just stepping toward him. It's about being with him. And as I look at this story, it's really, it's, it's another profound principle. This is really about getting closer to Jesus. He asked the question, Lord, if it's you, will he come? And Jesus just simply responds. It's like he just says, come. He doesn't say, hey, let me give you some, some background on what we're doing here and let me give you the solution or let me give you the strategy or let me offer you some kind of mercy or understanding. He says, listen, that's not what this is about. 
What I want you to do is simply just take a step towards me to come. To just come to me. And when you look at this word, I believe it's one of the most powerful principles ever spoken of Jesus. This idea, he just says to us, come. He just, he just wants us to be with him. The reality is life is going to be filled with trials. This side of, of, of heaven, it's just trials are going to come and disappointments and discouragements and setbacks. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Think it not strange when fiery trials come upon you as if some strange thing's happening to you. It's just like, don't think that way because they're going to come. It's called life. God, we're hoping that you can remove some of them, but if you don't, God, can I at least just get close to you? Can I just realize that life is a whole lot better really close to you than being far away from you? And again, it's not just about this idea about the what or the why. This is what I get from it. Who I'm doing life with. This is really a who question. You know, just last week I was with some, some dear friends and beautiful couple and Unfortunate situation takes place where the husband is unfaithful. Marriage is on the rocks and turns out right in the middle of this very significant marriage challenge, she, she gets cancer. It's my first time to see her in, in quite some time and she's lost all of her hair. I saw her, gave her a big hug, hug said, hey man, love your haircut. She goes, man, just like you. And we kind of joked and I just, I just grabbed a hold of her shoulders and I said, you know, I just want to let you know, man, it, we just love you. We're praying for you. We're here for you. She says, you know, she says, we appreciate the prayer. She says, but you want to know what? She says, I'm enjoying my storms. I said, why? And she says, because it's getting me closer to Jesus. I went, I need to get saved. I mean, if there's an altar call, like I'm, I'm going first. It's just like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm wanting to run from those problems. She's running into them. She says, if that's what it takes. See, it's more important about the Jesus, being close to Jesus in our storms than to even asking Jesus to take our storms. Let me just say it a radical way. I'd rather be in hell with him than heaven without him. I mean, it's about who you're with, not necessarily what you're going through. And again, Jesus is trying to help us understand this, is that we were created for intimacy. I mean, throughout Scripture, you see Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. We're looking for rest, and we're looking for it in all the wrong places. He says, If you just come to me, I'll give you rest. And it's so important for us to understand in our busy world today that really... Our relationship with Jesus and its strengths, it's not measured in our proximity, it's measured in our intimacy. It really is. It's it's not just knowing about him and of him and singing 25 minutes a week about him in a service and reading our Bible maybe once a week or getting a quick prayer off in the middle of the car. It's just like spending time with him. Then when we spend time with him, what happens? We get to know him. And when we know him, we begin to understand him. And when we understand him, we begin to trust him. And when we trust him, we're willing to surrender. And when we surrender, we get to this place where we actually understand what it means to allow him to drive the ship or to drive the boat, so to speak. God, help us. Come on. And the second question is, God, are we willing, really, really willing 
to just take the time to be intimate with you. Spend time with him. Get up early. Your devotion should start at 9 p.m., not 5 a.m. Go to bed early so that you're fresh. He's waiting up all night just to meet with you. Spend time with him. If you're a late night person, turn the, turn the devil vision, I mean the television off and just, just like spend time with him. He just wants to meet with you. He's just saying this, come. He's come. Here's the third question I get out of this story. Is, am I then willing to risk something? If I really look at the story, am I really willing to give up something to get something? It says, Peter, then Peter, got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. And I love this phrase here. It's this this phrase, got out. It's like this, in the Greek, it's this double verb. It's like this, this main part of this sentence, this participle in the Greek. It doesn't mean like, he just, it was a random getting out. It was that he came and he went for it forward or went toward. And it has this idea of being intensely focused on the purpose and the person that's giving the request. I think about that. It required a risk. It, it required him just getting to that place where he's just going, okay. I get all that we've talked about. Okay, I need to be obedient. I need to be, you know, I need to be intimate. You're saying come, but there comes a point where the responsibility comes our way, where we've actually got to go like this and put our foot out onto the water means that you've got to get out of something to get towards something. It doesn't say that Jesus got into the boat. That wasn't the purpose of the story. He didn't even want to do that. He wanted to see if he was willing to give up whatever it took to just get closer to Jesus. And it reveals to me that, you know, true faith steps towards the source of faith. It's not just a principle. It's not just a value. It's not a truth. It's a person. It's trusting in Jesus himself. Listen, you want to get closer to Jesus? Here's what we have to do. You got to get out of your boat. See, we all have boats. In fact, every one of us here, your boat's a little bit different than mine. Our boat really represents anything that we don't want to get out of for the sake of giving our all to Jesus. We all have it. It's, it's the place of comfort. It's the, there, there are 11 other knuckleheads in the boat that were silent during the whole story. They didn't say, they didn't pray, they didn't, they, they just were silent. I mean, this is like, they're just watching this whole thing unfold. Why? Because they didn't want to get out of the boat. Let, 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 me, let me ask you a question. All campuses, What's your boat? What's your boat? It's like, Jesus, I want to come. Lord, I, I want you in my life, but I don't want to give up that relationship. I know it's wrong, but I love him. I love her. That's your boat. It could be an addiction. It 
It could be gluttony. It could be food. It could be pornography. It could be your money. It could be your career. I really want to give more to God, but I want to build my kingdom on earth. His kingdom. That might be your boat. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's an offense. I refuse. I want Jesus, but I refuse to reconcile this situation. That's your boat. For some of you on every campus, it might be this. You, you, you might be here this morning and you feel maybe over recent days this idea that Jesus is just saying, come to me. I want to be your Lord. I want to be your Savior. And you're thinking, but if I ask Christ into my heart and I take a step, what am I giving up? See, that could be your boat. For some of you, it's water baptism. I don't know if I'm ready. It's your boat. Belong. We sit here as we did on every campus today, and we watch people come forward. It's going, I, I kind of want that. I, I want the relationship, and I, I want to be a part. But if I do, I might have to commit to something. Maybe that's your boat. What about groups? We love groups. We talk about groups. Everybody should be in a group. I'm in a few couple groups myself. It's like we need relationship. But if I do that, I might have to. It's your boat. I mean, I say this often, and I think it's one of the biggest strongholds today. Your money, giving, tithing. I kind of get it, and I want to. I hear it every, but if I do that, then I have to what? You have to get out of your boat. You have to give up something to be blessed, not to hurt you, but to help you. And it's just like, it takes a risk. It, it takes actually getting out and stepping. And there's hundreds of things that are in our lives that we've just chosen to lazy boy out. I mean, it's just like, I just want that in my life. And I want to ask the question for us as a family, as your pastor. What would it look like if every person just said, you know what? I believe God is speaking to our church. I believe God is speaking to me. We're beginning to see all of these things in the summer conquering giants. And we're going through a worship series and we're going through faith and all of these things. These are our dominoes that are falling. God's trying to communicate to us that I have something better for you. I mean, think about Peter. I look at this story. Peter had no idea that the one step would be a training step to be one of the voices, to be uh, one of the primary guys to launch the New Testament church. For him right there was just a step. I mean, little did he know that that step would lead to him leading thousands of people to Christ. Little did he know that he would be a part of launching churches and healing people and seeing miracles take place. Actually, books in the Bible named after him, written by him. I mean, you begin to look at that. At that point for him, all he could see was a step. It's just like, forget all. I can't see the future, but Jesus, I know you see the future. I've got potential in you, but I'll never get there unless I take that step. And then I take that step. And I take this step. Life is a walk. It's a journey. Every step matters. And when you don't step, you don't move forward. Here's my prayer for us. Jesus, help us. God, let us be a people that look at what's in front of us 
that we tune into his word and we say, okay, God, you're asking me to be pure in this area, holy in this area, to take steps in this area, to sacrifice, to commit. God, let your word speak to me. And Lord, let it draw me closer to you, God, that I might know you more and that you could stand with me through my journey. You see what I don't see. And then God, just help us. Come on, every one of us, just go. Okay. Taking a step. God, you got me on a walk. I'm on a journey. What's your step today? What's your boat today? you bow your head, close your eyes on all campus. I just, I just want to pray this prayer over us today. Lord, you're calling us upon the waters. Lord, life in front of us is so obscure. It's so uncertain. God, we don't want to make a wrong step. God, we don't want to sink. God, we want to keep our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, it's all about you. Lord, would you come upon Manor House? Lord, every campus, every person today that's hearing my voice, those that are online, God, would you help us to break out of a Sunday morning, maybe routine and just say, God, this week, God, I, God, I want to obey. I want to get closer to you, God. I want to take some steps. God, I don't want to live life in the lazy boy. But help me, God. God, we give you the glory. We give you the glory, Jesus. You help us. Would you do me a favor? Just um, all campuses. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Now I want to go back into a song that's ministered to me so many times. It's just so pertinent for where we're at as a church into this word. It was a song written by Hillsong. It's a song called Oceans. I thought it'd be appropriate for us. Would you do me a favor on every campus? Don't get in a hurry. Don't slip out. Don't just say, I got to go get my kids first. I got brunch. Just do this. Just lift your hands. We've been talking about above all else. Just lift your hands and just begin to worship every campus and just begin to open up your heart. Put your eyes on Jesus as he says, come to you. Let's sing this song. Thank you for listening to another Mana House message. Our hope is that you find fresh bread for your journey each time you join us here. Until next time.